actually feel sorry for you. After that fantastic dinner, to have to listen to me would be uh, real disappointing. (laughs) Uh, Seriously though, I am glad to be here. I really enjoyed the dinner. I enjoyed uh, fellowshipping, getting to meet a number of you and talking to you. And I am honored to be with you this weekend. And so I pray that the Lord will meet with us as we meet together. Now I want to ask you this. This is going to be somewhat interactive, so you have to bear with me. So what is your hope for this weekend? What is your desire? What do you long to see or get out of this missions conference, this missions emphasis this weekend? Okay. Tell me. Okay. What's been done? Okay. What you want to do? Okay. Yeah, and Mike, great job what Pioneers is doing and very clear um, in terms of unreached people groups and church planning among unreached people groups. Hooray. Love what Pioneers is doing. What else? What are some of the other things that you long uh, to hear about, learn about this weekend? Some good statistics. Well, I think maybe we need to find out what else we can do to help our missionaries. Okay. Okay, thank you. So hearing what the missionaries are doing helps uh, you be informed to pray, but even maybe be more engaged. Okay, very good. Some of you young guys, some of you young people, what are y'all hoping, dreaming to get out of this weekend? Besides great catfish and good pancakes and sausage, right? <laughs> I would just still learn about more how what missionaries do and where they go and Okay. Good, good. Well, I've got a surprise for you, or I think what my longing for you uh, would be a surprise to you. I don't want you to be moved emotionally first by stories or by statistics and more importantly not by guilt I want you I want every one of you to revisit what Christ has done for you the profound love of God that chased you down that pursued you Because I believe every one of us needs to revisit that. We need to revisit that subject daily. But if we get that, it will impact the way we view the world. And so that's my hope and my prayer. And I'm going to ask that you pray with me. That that, that, that would be, that God would meet us and meet with us. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do uh, humbly bow before you. Lord, we see the peoples of the world and we hear these statistics about in Turkey where it's not less than 1%. The church in Turkey is one five hundredth of 1% of the people of Turkey. And in places like Japan, 
there is one quarter of 1% that are believers. It is a vapor of those who know you. Lord, those statistics need to move us only in the sense that we have been graced, richly graced. And we pray, Father, that you would move in us, that we would be so profoundly impacted by what you have done for us, the lavish goodness of the Lord to us, that we would be moved out in new ways to walk with Jesus by faith, whether it's going overseas or engaging more intentionally through prayer or giving more sacrificially or or knowing our missionaries and supporting our missionaries more intentionally. So Lord Jesus, we ask that you would in a special way meet with us and bless this weekend. And we ask it in your powerful and your wonderful name. Amen. Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to a very common missions passage. Not. We're going to look at uh, Isaiah chapter 40. And I would venture to say that you've probably not heard a missions message from Isaiah 40, but we're going to start there and we'll see what happens. Isaiah 40, beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In this passage, the prophet Isaiah is, well, I shouldn't say in this passage, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet is speaking to the people of God. The people of God had been wayward and he is pronouncing judgment. The first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah, he is speaking judgment on his people because they had lost sight of who God was and who they were as the people of God. There is a lot about the people of Israel in this day that I think parallels where the U.S. church is today. They're described as a people who draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They were syncretistic and they, they had made friendships with the world. And so there's a lot in Isaiah's day that parallels where the church is today, I believe, in the U.S., So 39 chapters, it's just filled with these blistering judgments being pronounced on the people of God. And then you turn the page to Isaiah 40, and it's these words of incredible comfort, very tender words being spoken uh, by God to his people. So what is God up to? God, from the very beginning, has always been about redeeming a people unto himself. Think about it. If you're the king 
you're the king over a realm. How do you know that you're the king of a great realm? How? The subjects that you rule over, right? So if you proclaim yourself, I, I proclaim myself king of my home all the time. My subjects don't care much about it, I promise you. But God has been throughout the course of history going out into the world and he began with Israel being the womb through which the gospel was spread out into the world and he even called upon the people of Israel to care for the stranger and the alien. They were to share the good news of God's benevolent reign even with the peoples of the world. Here's the problem. The people of Israel confused their kingdom desires with God's. They thought that God, they thought that He wanted, they thought what they wanted was the same thing that He wanted. Their desire for kingdom reign, their desire was for God's kingdom to come and to give them temporal peace. God's desire was for people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to experience peace through Him. That sounds really similar, but it's very different. And I tell you, I'm afraid that in the church in the U.S. today, that there's a lot of similarity. God's purposes has, have not changed. God is about sending Peace, the gospel of grace to the ends of the earth. And we tend to be like the people of Israel. We want to receive his blessings and we want to take those to ourselves. God longs for his people to know and experience peace, to know and experience him, and then to be instruments of that peace going out. And in order for that to happen, He's preached this, this searing judgment against the people of Israel. But then he turned, you turn the page in Isaiah 40 and he says, Comfort, comfort my people. Comfort my people, says your God. He tells Isaiah, okay, after this judgment, I want you to speak comfort into the ears of my people Israel. And the people who understand this message will send forth His light. So He says comfort. Then He repeats it for emphasis because they need to hear it. So who needs comfort? Let's think about it for a minute. There's a little baby right there that needs comfort right now. That baby needs peace and comfort. It's typically those who are vulnerable, who are weak, who are afraid, who are uncertain about thing, uh, things in life. Now tell, tell me this. Who is able to bring comfort to those who need comfort? What, what does it take to be able to offer comfort to someone who needs it? That's not a rhetorical question. Y'all help me out here. I'm trying to keep you awake. <laughs> you have to have assurance yourself. 
Okay, you have to have assurance yourself. Very good, Jim. Thank you. What else? Okay, someone has come, you've received comfort, or you have been loved and you're able to give love. That's right. How about if you were afraid, if you were in an uncertain situation and you were afraid, you would need someone with power or authority, right? If, if someone steps into your world and steps between you and a gunman, for example, you're going to feel safe because that person's got you. They, they've got you covered, right? That is, it takes power and it takes authority. It takes love. It takes empathy to be able to step into that world. And that is what God does with his people. But the people of Israel had forgotten the God who had delivered them from Egypt, who had delivered them from bondage. And so they were fearful. They were fearful of the Assyrians. They were fearful of the Philistines. Are you, are you fearful? There is an awful lot of uncertainty in our world today. I don't care whether it's about health or health care or children's well-being or jobs or finances or economy or politics or politics or politics right now or terrorism. We all are prone to fear. But God is in control and he says, fear not. Look with me, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 13. At the end of verse 5, it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The God of the universe who has all power and has all authority is saying to his people, I will never leave you nor will I ever forsake you. So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That's how a missionary family, like we saw on the screen up here, is willing to say, God has called me. God is going to go before me. God leads me. I go to a Muslim country to share the gospel of Christ. Life is of more, serving Christ is of greater value than this life. That's how the Apostle Paul can say, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Difficulties will come. You may experience fear. Some of you, I don't know, in Birmingham, and we've been talking about the refugee crisis recently. And the church, it seems like, across denominations is up in arms. We want to keep those people away from us because they're afraid. Well, people, difficulties will come, but God will not fail you. Let me say that again. God will not fail his people. And you might say, well, circumstantially, what about someone who's struggling with a disease or God will not fail you regardless of what you go through, regardless of what uncertainty or difficulty. Remember the disciples. When Jesus was up on the cross, 
the disciples thought God for sure had failed them. But God was doing something so exponentially greater than they could fathom. His ways are not our ways. And sometimes He accomplishes things in ways that we can't fathom. One of the most horrific events in modern history, in our modern history, was what took place on 9-11. And I know that there are a lot of people. I, uh, one of the pastors that I work with was actually a deputy in Alexandria, Virginia when that took place. And he shares about emotionally what the firefighters and their families and what uh, law enforcement went through when that occurred. And a lot of people shook their fists at God and said, what is God up to? I don't understand it. I don't agree with it. But what you don't know, what we are just now beginning to find out about. Since 9-11, more Muslims have come to faith in Jesus Christ. Are you ready for this? Than in the previous 15 centuries combined. Because there are so many that saw what took place on that because of media. They've seen what takes place, took place. And they said, I don't want any part of that. For 15 centuries, Christian missionaries have been sharing the gospel and beating their heads against the wall in the Muslim world. And nothing, there's been almost no fruit. And since 9-11, more people have come to faith than Christ than all of those 15 centuries combined. There is an awakening. There's a gospel awakening in the Muslim world. It is amazing. So when you feel afraid and you don't know what God is doing, I want you to hear Him whisper in your ear. Comfort. And and probably, truthfully, because it's repeated, it's more like, Comfort. I want you to speak comfort into my people's ears. I want them to hear it, tangibly feel it, to know it. Your God is in control of this world and you have nothing to fear. I want to share with you a video. and If you'll go ahead and pull it up. You know, we sometimes we think about terrorism or we we're worried about who's going to be the next president and and we feel like God has lost his grip on the world. This um, this video is going to show you a little bit about how over the course of the centuries, the gospel has gone forth and the gospel is going forth and God is calling people unto himself. And it is a glorious thing to see. These are not reached. All of these nations are not reached now. But the gospel is influence, having influence in these nations. Okay? So back 50, 80, 100 AD, you see the gospel beginning to expand.
See the growth of Islam and the contraction with the dark ages coming. And then with the Reformation, here's the contraction. And then the Reformation begins to take place and the gospel begins to expand across the globe. And then the great missions movement in the 1800s, 1900s. Jesus said the gospel needs to be preached to all peoples and the end would come. Right? People, we are within striking distance of that actually becoming the case. God is building his kingdom. You can have confidence in the ruler, in the king. Diana, my wife, and I am so sorry my wife can't be here with us this weekend. She is absolutely my better half. I'm sorry you didn't get to know, I haven't gotten a chance to know her. We, I, I felt called to missions as a teenager. I went, uh, went with teen missions to Haiti and uh, went to Urbana. And so on our first date, we were, high, we were seniors in high school. On our first date, I told Diana that uh, I believe... I was called to be a missionary. And she said, that sounds really nice. And uh, so a couple of years later, we, we actually went to the same college. A couple of years later, she said, you know that thing about missions? I thought you were going to grow out of that. She said, we need to pray about this thing. And I'm trusting that God's going to lead us. And she was pretty confident that he was going to change my mind. And he didn't. He changed hers. And so we went to Japan. I don't know if you've ever uh, read uh, Hind's Feet on High Places. Uh, Diana uh, would call herself, she does call herself, much afraid. She, the idea of going to Japan, she was born and raised in the same house until she met me and I have dragged that woman all over the world. Well, she went to Japan. She was fearful, but trusting And it was hard. There was a lot about being in Japan that was hard. But God met us in ways that we, uh, it would take weeks, not this weekend to share with you, ways that God met with us, drew us deeper into a relationship with Him. And the amazing thing is, Diana was a far more effective and fruitful missionary than I ever dreamed of being. We experienced him in amazing ways. Our God is powerful. And when he speaks words of comfort, he means them. We've experienced it. He's speaking them to you tonight. And he's saying, comfort, receive his comfort. But that's not all he's saying. His reign is not an impersonal reign. He goes on to say, 
Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she is received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. God has pardoned the people of Israel. He forgives all their sins. And He does the same with you. He cares for you. He cares for you as an individual. Are you familiar with the theological term particular redemption? Do you know what that means? It means that when Jesus died, He didn't die for all the sins of all the world of for all mankind. There's a very real sense in which when Jesus died, when He breathed His last, your name was on His lips because He's paid specifically for your sin. Your sin has been taken away. You are free and you're forgiven if you are in Christ, if you have trusted Christ to be your Savior. You who were His enemy, He has pursued, He has chased you down. He has loved you such that you would respond in glad submission. He's made you His own. We don't have time tonight, but I'd really like to challenge you this weekend to reflect back on where you were before you came to Christ. When you were bound in sin, there was no hope. You were in misery in sin and nature's night. And you bowed the knee and you surrendered to Him and freedom came into your soul. Zoom out. God has set His love upon you from before the foundation of the world, but it wasn't just you. There's a world of folks out there that from the foundation of the world, Jesus has purchased to redeem. Not as a legal transaction, but because He loves them, He wants to draw them to Himself. And He's done that with you. And so I want to ask you, how does that make you feel? To think that the God of the universe, whom you were an enemy of, has loved you with an everlasting love, pursued you, drawn you to Himself. I hope it's moving in a deep and profound way. And... I think that's the reason Isaiah writes these words. And then the very next phrase, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert, a highway for our God. And then he goes on. Psalm 67. We need to look at it real quick. Why does God bless his people? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us. Who doesn't want to make that their prayer? May it be that God would bless us and make His face to shine upon us and deal graciously with us. Why? So that we can buy more stuff and have more toys? And No. 
that you that his way, your way, O Lord, may be known on the earth, your saving power among the nations. That is the reason why God is gracious to the people of Israel so that the people of the earth might know him. He shows his mercy so that others might come to know that mercy. We have received that mercy and we then are called to labor that others might know that freedom. It would be the greatest criminal act in history for us to receive mercy and benevolent grace from God and forgiveness and then to keep that to ourselves. Right? Well, that is the reason the prophet Isaiah goes on and says, Hey, a voice cries out into the wilderness, out in the dark places, out where it's unsafe. A voice cries. Where was that initially? It was in your heart. It was in our hearts and in our souls. And we heard that voice cry and we responded. And then the voice cries and says, In the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. We're to go out into the wilderness. We're to build up a road so that the king can go out. The king can go out there in the wilderness barren places. And his good news can go out. And then his people can be drawn back to himself. And the picture is of the people of God being thrilled to have that opportunity and that privilege to labor, to build that road out into the wilderness and to cry. Excuse me. They then become those who cry out because they're excited that the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh together shall see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. When the mouth of the Lord has spoken, it is stated as certainty. This will happen. It is absolute. Immobilizing fears lose their power when a much greater force is at work in our lives. May it be that this church, First Church Bruton, is so gripped by the true and the living God who has redeemed you and has called you to be a part of His great kingdom work right here in Bruton. And I agree with you. These folks are not unreached because they've got resources. But there are folks here that don't know Jesus and need to be loved to Christ. But there are folks who don't have access to the gospel and we have a responsibility to give, to pray. And I heard y'all were going to do a mission trip summer after next and to go and encourage your missionaries and to support their work. Again, thank you. I want you to wrestle with that tonight, with this truth, with this reality and what God has done for you, for us. Let us pray together. Lord God, we do thank you that your word is going forth. Lord, sometimes we think about the world and we just think that the gospel is not going forth. That people aren't responding. That there are places like Turkey and Japan where um, there are so few believers 
but there are places where the gospel is going forth. And I actually do know of people in Japan and Turkey who are coming to faith in Christ and, and you are doing an amazing work. May we celebrate that together this weekend. Lord Jesus, would you help each one here to understand their part, the part you're calling them to play in your kingdom work. We ask in your name. Amen.